everyone. Happy Monday. I hope your week has started off well. You're listening to Authors on the Air, and I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm just kicking off with a couple new books this week. Um, the first one is from my friend Bo Johnson, who has had his second book, published. Um, I, I want you to go and get that. It's really important to me. Please send me um, a note stating that you got it. Uh, the book is called The Big Machine Eats Stories by Bo Johnson. He's a great guy, fabulous writer. There is another book releasing today called Chasing Rainbows, New York City by Eve Wing, who will be the second guest tonight. And then the other book that's releasing is The Malta Escape, which is by my guest now. Chris Kuzneski and I met at BoucherCon, although we've kind of been Facebook friends for a while, where we had a really fun conversation. Um, he and, and Floyd Morrison and Grant Brown we had a really fun live conversation at, at BoucherCon, which we'll tell you about. But let me tell you a little bit about Chris. Um, Chris is a, an Indiana, Pennsylvania native who, uh, who was a, an athlete. He was named the class clown in high school, which I love. Read his bio. You'll see why. Um, he was a jock. Um, unfortunately, his, his uh, career was ended by a foot injury. That's really sad. But in the meantime, he's also a journalist. He uh, worked for a couple newspapers, but always wanted to write books. His first book was just a big hit called The Monster Cookbook. We're going to ask him about that. In the meantime, I want to welcome Chris Kuzneski to the show. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm fabulous. How are you, Pam? I'm good. Um, so the the monster cookbook and you're still looking for uh, any copies that family members might have <laughs> around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, when, when I was, yeah, when I was back in elementary school, I, I had uh, uh, my, my, my very first escapade into uh, the, the world of literature was creating a number of, of monsters and then deciding what they would eat. And so I came up with all these recipes and, uh, um, my school uh, school's librarian in grade school as a fourth grader at the time was so impressed with all these monsters that I created that she had the book hardbound and actually put into my school's library. And this was back in the days of the card catalog. So, you know, wow. seeing my name and the monster cookbook typed on a little index card and placed in a drawer was like the highlight of my elementary school experience. So uh, from that moment on, I kind of knew that uh, – that that was what I wanted to do with my life. You know, it's interesting to me. I know we're kind of teasing about it, but that was really incredibly imaginative of you to do something like that, especially in, in fourth grade. That's really imaginative. Um, so, so which kind of brings us fast forward to you deciding that you were going to get back to work writing books. And so you wrote the first, the first published novel was The Plantation. And I think I read that you said you tried every agent and every publisher on earth and had absolutely zero results. What happened with that? Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness, was it painful. Um, yeah, the, for, 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 for struggling writers out there, um, you know, they, you, you know, the drill and it was, it was what I experienced as well. It was creating, creating a book that you thought was good, 
and sending it out with hope upon hope, you know, licking postage stamps in the middle of the night and sending off these letters to New York City and, and expecting you to reply, you know, less than a week later. Um, but then one week turns to two and then that turns to four and that turns to five months. And then you get a form letter back saying, thank you for your submission, but we're not interested. And, and it's, a, it's a humbling, frustrating experience. But um, um, eventually I decided that the publishers and the agents could kiss my butt and I decided to publish it myself. Um, and so that's what I ended up doing. Uh, this was, this was way back in, uh, 1999. And, uh, there was a company that had just started called iUniverse. Um, and it was a print on demand company. And, uh, and I just decided to submit my manuscript, get it published so I could actually have like a published version of the book. And, uh, and then I, I basically went from store to store begging them to allow me to set up uh, a book signings at their stores. Um, and, and that's how I broke into the industry. Um, it was, like I said, it was quite humbling, but, um, but when you wanted something as bad as I wanted uh, a career in writing, um, you know, it was worth the, worth the pain. Uh, it's my understanding that um, Doug Preston blurbed you or uh, actually blurbed the book at one point or blurbed your story. It's interesting to me. I have I have a lot of respect for he and Link Child. Uh, uh, Preston and Child are some of my favorite authors. Um, so despite the fact the experts were wrong, you got ringing endorsements from all the best-selling authors in the world, practically, and you ended up getting a junior literary agent with what turns out to be the most prestigious representation with Trident Media. Are you still together? Uh, we are. Yeah. Uh, Scott Miller is my agent. And, uh, you know, it was kind of funny how, uh, how it even came to be after, after, you know, me, um, um, publishing this book myself. And like you mentioned, um, you know, I, I, I ended up getting, uh, deciding to write to a number of authors, um, figuring that if anyone understood the pain of, of being a, a struggling writer, it would be other authors. And so I sent this book out to, um, as you mentioned, Doug Preston was one of the first ones, but this, you know, I wrote it to, wrote to Lee Child, Nelson DeMille, James Patterson, James Rollins. I mean, the, the list went on and on. And this was, this was, you know, back before really the dawn of social media. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, I, uh, I got copies into all of their hands, you know, and it required begging and pleading and, and, you know, offering to mow grass or whatever it would take um, <laughs> in, order, in order to get this thing done. And, and surprise, surprise, um, all of the, the writers uh, loved the book, gave me blurbs. And, and then, then after I got all of those, um, I, I actually took, had enough confidence to get out a bank loan and publish um, an actual um, large print run of the plantation. I printed 10,000 copies and wow. rented warehouse space and did it all myself. And then I drove, I drove basically around the country hawking my book. And, um, and, and I don't know how it happened, but a copy of this book ended up in a bookstore that I had never gone to. Um, it ended up on the shelves of a bookstore in Philadelphia and Scott mm -hmm. Miller, who, like you mentioned, was a, you know, was a young agent at, at Trident Media. He happened to go home for vacation. He's originally from the Philly, Philly area. 
and saw a book on the bookshelf that, you know, had all of these fabulous blurbs. Um, and then he looked at the publisher's name and didn't recognize the publisher. And it was because it was me. I was the publisher. I was, you know, the, that was the only book wow. I put out. It was under the name Paradox Publishing. And, um, um, and, and he ended up writing to me. So after all of those rejections, all those form letters, you know, that just kept on filling up my mailbox, out of the blue, an agent wrote to me and was like, hey, you know, do you want representation? And, uh, and obviously I was like, eh, you know, let me think about it. Um, and then, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to seem too desperate. So it was like, you know, let me, let me ponder this. You know, I've got other offers I'm fielding at the time. And, uh, you know, like 12 hours right. later, it was, it was sure. like, yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's see what we can do. And, um, um, and that's how we, we, we teamed up. So uh, I still, to this day, have no idea how this book ended up in, in Philadelphia because I was in charge of like, you know, the, the, the distribution of the book. I didn't send sure. it there. So I have, I literally have no idea how it got there and how he bought it. But, um, you know, not only I got an agent, but I actually got, I got royalty from him buying the book. So, so I thought that was wow. pretty good too. You know, I made an extra buck fifty um, because he there bought you it. Go. So, uh, yeah, it was a Your good day. Story is a lesson in persistence. Um, uh, I think a lot of people would have given up by that time, and probably many have. But you really wanted to do this. I mean, this was deep in your gut someplace, and so you did everything you could to make it happen. And now. You have sold millions of copies of books. You told me that, um, or I, I think I read that they're published in 25 languages, none of which you know except for English, and in 40 <laughs> countries, some of which you don't even know where they are, which I love that. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, um, seriously. <laughs> I, and I think that's great. So you've won the Thriller Award for – and in the history of Thriller Awards, no indie published author had ever done that. That's really something else. You um, you tell me that your writing idol is Clive Cussler. He's a great guy. He's been on this show. He's very funny and um, very genuine, genuine and generous with his time. So you have taken this little dream of yours from the, the Monster Cookbook and turned it into a really wonderful career for yourself. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you very much. You're welcome. So you have a new book out called The Malta Escape. Now, you have a connection to Malta. Can you please tell our listeners a little bit about it and how this came about? Yeah, back uh, back early early in the, the, the dawn of my career, right after my, uh, my second book was called Sign of the Cross. And that was really the book that put me on the map. Um, it was a, an international bestseller, and and um, it was a religious thriller um, right around the time that the Da Vinci Code came out. And so, mm-hmm. so it was. Um, um, it just happened to be timed up perfectly that his book was released right before mine. And so there was this this huge market for religious thrillers. And um, after going through all the the grinding that I did and, and driving around the country. Um, all of a sudden, I was kind of overwhelmed with all of this email that I was getting from parts of the world that I had never even been to. 
And uh-huh. one one email in particular um, came from um, from a fan in Malta, and. Uh, though I knew some things about Malta and had a general sense that it's okay, it's an island somewhere in the, the Mediterranean, I'm sitting here going, how in the hell did my book get to Malta? I mean, I didn't have a publisher there. I didn't have, I didn't have any connections there. And so I wrote back to the guy, and, and I had more questions for him than he had for me. Um, you know, it was like, how, where did you get this thing? How did it, how did it come to be? And then he ended up telling me that, you know, that they're part of the British distribution network because they're a former, um, you know, British colony. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, um, and so I thought that that was just so cool that my book had ended up in Malta. So just as a joke, I was in the middle of writing my fourth book at that time, a book called The Lost Throne. And so I decided to mention Malta in the book, just kind of as a, as a you know, a fun inside joke. And, mm-hmm. well, when the book was published, you know, this guy wrote back to me, and he was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that you, you know, you mentioned Malta in the book. And I was like, hey, it was because of you. And so he then goes and tells someone else in Malta, and they tell someone else. And before you know it, a reporter in Malta heard about this story and eventually contacted me. And his name is Stephen Kaleha. And he was like, you know, most of the time, you know, whenever we buy books, that, that have something to do with Europe, like there'll be maps in them, and they won't even list Malta on the map because Malta is right. so small. It's just, you know, a series of small islands. And he's like, and you actually mentioned it in the, in the story. This is fantastic. So they did a big piece on it. And then eventually that big piece got me more publicity in Malta. And before you know it, the Malta Tourism Authority, which is a governmental agency in charge of, of trying to get tourists there, um, decided – you know, you have done so much, Chris, for, for Malta and spreading the word about this country that we want to invite you over to see the best that Malta has to offer. And so they, they set up a trip, um, and this was back in 2015. And at the time, I, I said, listen, if you want to spread the word about Malta, I've got other author friends that would gladly mention Malta in the book for a free trip, you know, and so – I, I, I happened to mention it to Boyd Morrison and Graham Brown, who were both uh, right. co-writers with Clive Cutler. Right. And, um, and the MTA said, yeah, sure, bring them along. And so it ended up being um, the three of us and, and Boyd's wife, Randy. Um, and so there were four of us, and they just rolled out the red carpet like you couldn't believe and and uh, all the things that I got to do and see and uh, I mean they were they were they gave us access to things that that people hadn't seen in years um, wow. and we were just so overwhelmed that I was like hey I've got to I've got to not only pay pay it forward a little bit or pay them back I guess would be more more correct sure. you know for them for them doing this but there were so many cool things that I learned about this place that I'm like, man, this would be the perfect place for an adventure story. And that's what I eventually did. You know, it, it took a few years to figure out how I was going to tell the story. But because of those uh, um, experiences that I had, um, it, it led to the creation of this book. And, um, and, and I, I, I think it turned out incredibly well. Um, so it all started from a, from a simple email from a, a Maltese reader, um, you know, back about a decade ago, but it ended up leading to the creation of, of this book, which is the 12th, 12th uh, book uh, I've written. 
Uh, for those of you who are interested in seeing what Malta looks like, um, you got to go to Chris's website. He has um, a series of photos from all his travels, and um, there are about 30 pictures, I think, in this grouping uh, with with the four of them, wh- whom I've had the pleasure of all meeting all of them. And um, it is a lovely place. It's an interesting place. I have friends and readers who are down there. So um, congratulations on, on making your mark in such a big way. So here we are, the Malta Escape. This is an ad, ad, action adventure and part of your series, correct? That is, yeah. I have I have two series. Uh, uh, one series is called The Hunters, um, and there's been three books in that series. But my main series, uh, the one that I started with um, in the plantation, is the Payne and Jones series. And it, it right. follows uh, – Jonathan Payne and David Jones, they're two ex-military guys who are best friends, and they like nothing more than making fun of each other. No matter what they do, they're always teasing each other like you can't believe, uh, just like uh, a lot of soldiers do. It's like that same same military sense of humor. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and because of that, it allows me to bring a humor element into my stories that, that most action adventure stories don't have. Um, um, I think if there's one thing that sets my books apart from the Kessler series or James Rawlins or Steve Barry is, is the humor that I bring into my books. Um, you know, right. like you said, I was a class clown way back in the day and, and, and I try to bring that into these stories. Um, and, and so the, the humor element is there. So, you know, it's like an action humor. A lot of people compare it to like the lethal weapon kind of tone, um, sure. you know, where it's, it's, it's you know, a buddy-buddy, but, um, you know, with high stakes at the same time. And, um, um, and yeah, and it's worked very well for me. So the, Mal- the Malta Escape is your homage to Malta. Tell us about the story, please. Sure. Um, back, uh, back in... in uh, well, over the centuries, Malta has been conquered over and over again because Malta kind of sits at the crossroads of the Mediterranean. And, mm-hmm. and so no matter what uh, empire was, was kind of ruling the, the world at that time, they would use Malta as a seaport. And eventually a group of knights uh, came there. They were the Knights Hospitallers, um, which had started back in the First Crusades and eventually they settled in Malta, um, where their name then became the Knights of Malta. But this was a, a really powerful organization that was one of the richest military, um, uh, religious military orders in the world. And slowly but surely, you know, over the centuries, um, you know, this, this order um, started to dwindle away before it was eventually conquered by Napoleon um, in 1798 A.D., but my story premises that these knights who once used to be one of the richest organizations in the world had left a lot of their treasures behind and they weren't able to take it out of Malta before Napoleon came and conquered the islands. So the Malta escape involves Payne and Jones going to Malta and stumbling upon um, uh, an opportunity to look for the lost treasure of, of the Knights of Malta. And, um, um, and so it's, it, it, it kind of the story goes through the years of, of all these different uh, buildings. And the thing about Malta is since so many different empires have conquered it, 
you have all of these different influences um, there. So you'll mm-hmm. see French, you'll see Italian, you'll see Greek, you'll see um, Arabic, you'll see all of these different things. And so as these characters kind of roam through the island, you almost get a, it's, it's almost like a, a, a buffet of nationalities. And, and the history there is just so unique. Um, and the, uh, the history of the Knights is so unique that it just made for a really compelling story as they search for these, uh, uh, this long-lost treasure while also being pursued by uh, a group of Russians who, um, who have learned about the treasure as well, and they are basically willing to do anything to get it. And unfortunately, Malta <laughs> suffers a lot of damage uh, in the meantime. So uh, wow. I'm not sure if the, the Malta Tourism Authority will be happy about that. But, um, um, but at the same time, it makes for an explosive story, though. Yeah, I bet it does. Um, I, I love the fact that you have walked in your character's footsteps, you know, that, the, that you are taking your own memories and, and introducing them into this, this story. And so, therefore, it's not only factually accurate you can say this is this is where this happened and you have that memory in your head of where something actually occurred so it must make it all the more real i'm anxious to read your book i have not read it yet Um, thank you for sending it and signing it i appreciate that um i want to get off the book for just a little bit because you you have a very very successful writer you have just your books do really really well and people love them i know today is launch day so is it today or was it last week today today right um Uh, so i I, yeah so but your books are highly successful you get kudos from so many people congratulations on all that um but i want to talk about some other things you said that you knew that you wanted to write books when you were little. You were in elementary school, and you know you wanted to write books then. How did you come by your reading chops? Not your writing chops, but your reading chops. Yeah, um, I lived. I lived in a in a uh, in a family. Um, uh, my mom and dad and, and brothers and sisters, um, where reading was just um, encouraged. And so there were always books around the house and my mom and dad were big readers. And so, you know, at night, um, you know, before bed, you know, they would be be in bed reading their books. And so it was just, you know, I mean, you just kind of like follow your parents' behavior. And, and so it was kind of like reading time at the end of the night. And, and, you know, I eventually got hooked on the books of Clive Custler. My parents were, were Clive Custler fans. Um, And so, you know, reading the adventure stories um, of of Clive's, you know, really kind of set me down this path. Um, As a, as a, as you mentioned early on, um, you know, I was an athlete. Um, um, I played football at the University of Pittsburgh. And so, so I also was a really passionate sports fan. So, so early on, I read a lot of um, biographies of, of athletes and, and, and so forth. And, and, and I think that that also kind of um, um, maybe kind of was like this mix I had between reading these this factual stories of these sports heroes of mine and and then reading all of this escapism, um, you know, Clive Cussler type stories. And it just mm-hmm. kind of the two of the, the worlds just merged together whenever my writing came about because I, I then, you know, I liked learning about history and and 
people that, that were important to me or things that were important to me, and I could kind of bring some of that in into the escapism world of, of action thrillers. And, and that's what Clive always used to do so well and still does so well, um, you know, that he can bring, you know, a little bit of history into this modern-day story and entertain the masses while doing it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so I think the, the reading that I had when I was young, I mean, it's certainly – you know, starting with like the Hardy Boy books and things like that, that kind of maybe gave me the, the mystery element of, of things. Sure. And then, then slowly but surely up until, you know, I was in college when I stopped reading completely because, you know, you're not supposed to read in college. I mean, um, right. you know. <laughs> well, well you were a jock, so you, you're studying and also being a jock. So, you know, I can understand that, that you, exactly. know, you didn't exactly. have time to read for pleasure. But but you also took that love of reading and, and writing and translated it too when you worked for newspapers. And um and then you taught English as well as coaching football. So you you kinda always were in that loop of of writing, reading that whole it you never left your sight, obviously. No, I, I, I always I, I always knew that, that I had a passion, uh, a passion for the reading and the writing. And and whenever, uh, you know, whenever I got hurt playing football and wasn't able to do that anymore, the, the easy transition for me was going right into sports journalism. And I figured if I couldn't play play sports anymore, then what I would do is I could write about them. And, and I did that, you know, through my college years. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in the summer months, I, you know, interned at newspapers and, and did all of that. Um, but then I realized real quick um, that, that journalists don't make a lot of money. Um, no, they don't. And, 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 <laughs> and as a sports writer, it was for. like, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, no, they don't. And, and, no. and, uh, and I was, you know, I went to, um, um, you know, as a sports writer, I, I went to the University of Pittsburgh. I wasn't being assigned, like, the Steelers games. I was being assigned, like, Little League Baseball to cover. And right. it's like, all right, I'm not doing this. I'm like, screw that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So, so I ended up getting my master's degree in teaching and deciding, you know, hey, I can, I can teach, you know, writing while also coaching football. And that would be my, my kind of way to stay in the, in the sports world. And I did that for, for six years. Um, and, and, but as I continued to do that and as I continued to talk about writing, and, and um, I just realized how much of a passion I had for it and how much I missed the written word. And so, so after, after my uh, six year of teaching, um, you know, I saved up enough money that I, I gave myself a year. And it was like, listen, I, I, I've got enough money that I can, I can do this for a year. And, and that kind of, that kind of pressure, I guess, forced me into doing the things that I did. And so that's, that's kind of how the, the plantation came about and how that self-publishing came about. It was, I have this much money, I've run out in a year, so I better bust my ass for a year or else, right. you know, it's back to, it's back to covering little league or, you know, getting <laughs> another teaching job. Teacher's and, job, sure. And, yeah. So, but good for and, you and because so it, I it, think a lot, a lot of writers tell me that working with a deadline motivates you. So you gave yourself a deadline, and the fact of the matter is, 
even if you self-publish, you still have to give yourself a deadline. You've got to sit down and write. You can't just say, well, I think I'll take the next five years to write my book unless you don't want to be relevant anymore. Isn't that true? Uh, it, it certainly is. I mean, if, if you reach a certain level and, 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 and your books are event type books, you know, I mean, that, that, that's well, completely different. But for the most sure. part, you know, most part now, yeah, you, you fans kind of expect, you know, a book to be churned out every year um, and, and or two or three, you know, I mean, it, it's, right. it's uh, you know, unfortunately, with with the attention span nowadays, it's like soon as soon as someone reads the book, they're like, okay, when's the next one? And it's like, well, yep. I just finished this one. I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, it does take time to produce content. Um, yeah. So and to produce um, good content. So yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and I'm I'm kind of like one of those readers who says, says, yeah. When I first started reading Preston and Child, I had I didn't understand the joys of knowing who Pendergast was. And I had to go out and buy all those other, other books to read from the very beginning because I, I, and then the one that they just, I just, I now have their galley for one versus for the dead, which is based in my hometown of Miami. And, um, and interestingly parts of Southwest Florida where I now live. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, I know all these places, you know, I knew that they were writing about it because the last time they were on the show, they were telling me they, they were at a book signing in Miami and decided to go and they were investigating, you know, getting, getting a feel for the place they were writing about. But, but I have been asking the publisher, when's the galley? What do you mean you don't have it yet? You know? <laughs> so I'm like those readers of your books too, that it makes me crazy with Bob Crace's books and, and uh, you know, a lot of them, I am like that. So who are some of the other readers you like? I know that your writing idol is Clive Cussler. Clive's a really nice man. He writes really interesting. And he has an interesting life besides his writing life, too. Who else do you like to read? Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's going to be a long list. Um, you, you've actually, well, you've actually touched on, on a few. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Doug, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child um, are, are certainly there. You know, when I first, when I first started off, as I said, I reached out to all these different writers in order to, to endorse my book. And the, the writers that I reached out to were writers that I like to read. And so, um, you know, early on, as I mentioned, it was, it was, you know, Lee Child and, and, and Doug Preston and James Rawlins, um, Steve Ferry, um, you know, they're, they're, uh, they were all kind of, you know, the people that I was reading and, and as my career has gone on, I've continued to read, um, you know, the, the trouble, the trouble that I have found as a writer is that if I'm reading, whenever I'm writing, whatever I'm reading tends to influence the way that I write. And so yes. I, I learned pretty early on that I couldn't read fiction while I was writing. And so, so what will end up happening is that I'll, I'll lock myself away to write a book for several months at a time. And then once everything is finally done, you know, all of my authors that I like to, to read, they've already come out with books. And so I've got like this huge pile of things that I have to try to sure. get through before I start writing again. Start um, writing again. And, and so, yeah. So, um, so and, and two other nightstand right now, whose book is on your nightstand? Your, your book is out. It is published. Who are you diving into first? 
the 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 two the two guys that I went to Malta with, uh, both Boyd Morrison and Graham Brown, both had right. books recently that they wrote with Clive Cussler that right. that just came out recently, and so right. those those books are on the stand, and and uh, you know I'm ready to roll with those. Um, By the and way, also, when you, you speak have to, to keep in mind that I, oh yeah, I'm please, sorry, go, go ahead. On. I just was going to say, when no. you speak to Grant, Graham, I want to know if he fixed his website. You and I know what that means. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to know yeah, if, yeah. if he ever fixed his website. I don't even have to speak to Graham to know the answer that he has not fixed his website. I think that he, he enjoys so much of what has happened. No, no. Graham, Graham is someone who, who gets more of a kick out of his website being disabled the way that it has been that, that <laughs> I'm sure it'll stay that way for a very long time. So, well, so, yeah. with, <laughs> so the answer to that he, I know is no. He has, <laughs> hopefully he hears this show and he knows that we're having fun at his, his just kind of teasing him a little bit. And also hopefully he'll want to come on the show because I've had Boyd on already, but I've not, I've not had grandma on. I'd love to have him come on and he can tell the story himself. It's his, it's his story to tell and it's a good one. Um, What's next for you? You're are you touring? Are you do you still do you like going to bookstores and touring? Um, are you relaxing? Are you vacationing? What's the next step for uh, you in the immediate future? The, the the immediate future for me is is uh, is football season. Oh, this is my <laughs> favorite time of year, Pam. I'll okay, tell you, I, seriously, it's it, it's it's like this, this is the time of year where you know, I'm based in Florida where you're able to actually like open the windows and let the cool right. air come inside. And it's, right. it's, it's just refreshing. You turn on the TV, you can watch some football, the holidays are here. It's uh, writing, writing for me is, is one, you know, it started off from a place of joy, but, but it, at, at some point, you know, during the process, you know, it, it, I mean, it, it became work and it's hard work. Sure. And, it and is so, hard work. So after, you know, after you, you know, um, birth a book, as I like to say, um, right. you know, I mean, there's, there, there's definitely that period where it's like, I don't want to do anything except sit. <laughs> so I mean, well, let like, me ask you, do you plan your seriously. books around football season? Um, I, 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 you know, I don't, but it's, it, it ended up happening that way because, you know, very early on it was, you know, the publishers would decide, you know, your publishing schedule and, right. and my books are always, you know, perceived to be like, you know, summertime, you know, beach reads. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's fun action fiction. And, and so a lot of times my books would be released in, in June or July, and then I would tour for a month or two. And, and then, you know, come September, I have free time and that's when football would kick off. So it just kind of ended up working out that way. It wasn't it wasn't because of football, but it just it just ended up working out that way. In this case, so you've got it all. You've got it all, Chris. You have it all. Yeah. You have your your crazy football life and your highly successful (laughs) writing life, and your sense of humor and your two best friends and your writing idol. Your you know, you have it all. Congratulations. You deserve it, my friend. I, I got a kick out of I, I saw um, um, the photo that you used uh, to to kind of promote this today. You right. must have plucked it somewhere from from the from the internet, but that's actually me at Clive Cussler's house. That is, I that is, that is, it is where exactly, that picture was exactly where it's from. 
I wanted to get the yes. picture of you and Claude, but it wasn't clear enough through his old the the classic car. So I couldn't get the, yes. a one with you two together because I know that you like him very much. I do a lot of research before people come on the show, and I read every word on your website and look at every single page. That's to tell you what kind of research I do. But that's I, awesome. We are almost awesome. we're almost out of time. But I want to tell you, I've just enjoyed talking to you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you on the webs, please. Sure. Um, my, my website is chriskuzneski.com. And since, since my name is not an easy one to spell, um, it's, it's Chris. And the last name is K-U-Z-N-E-S-K-I.com. It's a nice French name. Um, it's a nice French name. And, you know, we appreciate it so much. It's certainly, yeah, I, 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 certainly, I, I tell people. Yeah, I tell I tell people that it rhymes with was pesky, Kuzneski, and that, they're able to remember that. It's not it's not really flattering, you know, but but it, it it helps them remember it, and so that's that's just you know you know part of the game. That's so, funny. Um, funny. yeah. So so any yeah any any anything else? If you want to reach you know uh, reach me on on social media or whatever, I have uh, on my website. There's links to all the places on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all the the stuff that I probably should do more of, but I don't. Um, but uh, um, yeah, uh, perhaps the, the, the most, uh, my most favorite part of my website, I actually do a thing called virtual tours where, um, uh, where if somebody reads my book, sometimes people like pictures as they read these, these action stories, they want to know what the scenery looks like. And so I actually do a virtual tour of the book chapter by chapter pretty much on my yeah. website. So if you want to see all the the places in Malta that I visited, you know, and 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 all the things that kind of uh, contributed to the story, you can just kind of follow along on my website. And and uh, I know a lot of my readers uh, like doing that. Um, they said that they, you know, a lot of them did it on their own. They would go to Wikipedia and look for pictures, but I kind of, you know, taken that chore away from them and and kind of laid it all out. So um, if you want kind of a visual interpretation of of, of the book. Um, you can kind of follow along on my website. There you go. Chris, it's been a delight speaking to you. Um, who are you rooting for this football season? Have you? Uh, growing up, you, yeah, growing up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a Pittsburgher through and through. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Steelers fan. I'm, and as I said, I play football at the University of Pittsburgh. So they're, uh, they're playing for the uh, ACC championship in a couple of weeks against Clemson. So, um, you know, right now it's a good time to be a, a, a Pittsburgh football fan. So that's my focus. Good luck to your people, I suppose. I don't know anything about I mean, I used to watch football, <laughs> but I don't have time. I'm reading instead now. <laughs> exactly. That's, that, that's Thank okay. you so that's, much, I'm, I'm, Chris. I'm thrilled that you've pleasure. been here. I've had a great time talking to you. You're a very interesting man, and I'm glad we got to meet in person. Come back again sometime, and hey, maybe you can come back as host and interview Graham. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, I would torture him. He would okay. be in trouble. I know too you, much. You I know I too much then. about him. You, you and I are talking <laughs> then. We're going we're gonna to set this up, okay? Happy holidays right. to you, Chris. All right. Thanks for being okay, with me. Okay. Thank you. Same to you. Okay. Sure. All right, Bye-bye. And that's my first show. I'll see you back here in about a little less than 20, maybe 20 minutes. Thanks for being with me, everybody. And thank you, mom and dad. Mm-hmm.